Hey, guess what? You get to live like a god for a year. There's just one little catch. I'm Kevin Leeson. With a name like General Butt Naked, you'd expect he'd be a pretty fun guy to hang out with. You'd be wrong. I'm Joe Fulgham. There's gold in them thar poops! I'm Torrin Atkinson. Oh, and this is Caustic Soda. Human sacrifice. Dogs and cats. Living together. Mass hysteria. We'll only be talking about the human sacrifice today on this particular episode of Caustic Soda. Dogs and cats living together is a completely separate episode. Now, I'm sure after we're done recording this episode, we'll get lots of commentary about, oh, we missed out on this, we missed out on that. I think we want to be very clear about what kind of human sacrifice we're talking about. We're talking about the kind of sacrifice where there's a dude hanging over a naked body with a curved dagger. An obsidian blade. And then they pull out the heart. Uh, Only those. Just those very specific ways. I've got well, maybe a couple of variations. Human sacrifice is the act of killing one or more human beings as part of a religious ritual. Victims were typically ritually killed in a manner that was supposed to please or appease gods, spirits, or the deceased. So to sum up, it's basically killing somebody for no logical reason. <laughs> for some, I think or for, actually, for a crazy reason. Yeah, like you want something magical to happen. Like you yeah. want the season to be good. You want the crop right. to be plentiful. You want, you want uh, the devil to give you a rock band contract. <laughs> Precisely. Torin, is there something you need to tell us? No. <laughs> Cthulhu doesn't sign so, uh, deals. Word origin for sacrifice is from Latin. Saker meaning sacred and fasir to make or to perform so sacred performance i've had some of the things i've done been called that you sacrificed many a uh, bodily fluid phobia sacred things or priests hierophobia uh-huh. religious ceremonies teleophobia that sounds, it's teleophobia. sounds that's the fear of long distance i thought <laughs> uh pretty much every civilization in human history has performed human sacrifice in one way shape or form or another I know mine has. So I'm not 100% why we felt a need to hack other people up. For godly powers. For magical because we purposes. Because no, we had no such thing as agriculture and irrigation, so we had to rely on Thor <laughs> to make that happen. Well, it's... And Thor demands blood. Just the, the horrible extension of remembering the hits and forgetting the misses. Remember when we accidentally killed that guy and then it rained in our crops? worked really well maybe the gods like that let's try it again yeah and then when they try it again and they actually take some slave that they can afford to kill and butcher him and then it rained again that must be because of that right and it only takes one or two times for it to work even though you try it a hundred mm-hmm. for you to go no it works we must have screwed up the ceremony the time before Joe, are you times. saying that there's a problem with causation in ancient civilizations ancient <laughs> Well, let's talk about the Aztecs then, because they were lousy with the human sacrifice. They weren't the earliest, but they were definitely the most often. They had human sacrifices for each of their festivals for each of their months. Yeah, there was a festival every month, and they had an 18-month calendar. Yeah. There were sacrifices wow. 18 times a year. Minimum. Minimum of 18 That's times a year. That's not just counting the hobbyists. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the casual sacrificer. 
Uh, many of their sacrifices were dedicated to specific gods. The sacrifices to Zyptotec. I'm just going to pronounce it that way. It's yeah, who knows? More like Shipe like Totec or something like that, but I don't know. Yeah, the Aztec gods' names are not easy to decipher. So we'll just agree that we're going to butcher them and move on. Yeah, exactly. Zyptotec involves a rite where the victim was flayed and the priest dressed in his skin until it rotted off him, symbolizing the coming of spring. That is crazy. Just, that is crazy. It's just a starters. Like, it, usually when you're in a society where they take human sacrifice really seriously, mm-hmm. the priest is the guy you want to be because you know that you're not the one who's going to get sacrificed. Like, there's really nothing yeah. that can come along that will put you in front of that train, right? But when you got to wear the flayed skin of your victim until it physically rots off of your body. There's a lot of talk, though, about how uh, the people who would be the the magic man, the priests, the real believers uh, in this kind of magic and religion in those times weren't exactly all there mentally. Yeah, that, uh, schizophrenia and similar mental states. Oh yeah, these oracles, be, right? Seem to be quite prevalent in shamanistic cultures and the shamans in them. Or so, guys who'd have seizures and whatever, they'd yeah. be touched by God and blah, blah, blah. So this priest might not have just been, you know, our the, the equivalent of our modern day, you know, rich preacher, right? Who's just bilking everybody and taking all their money. He's he kind of the wacky witch doctor. Wacky witch doctor, true believer. And he full on believes that wearing that skin is going to make it rain. Now, can, you, can you imagine that being the priest, a uh, Charles Manson or Ted Bundy type? And he's like, I'm going to wear his skin, right? And he's he's the one who kind of starts that one. And then, like, three priests down the line, he's like, when did we start wearing these freaking skins? This sucks. How can I get rid of the skin wearing? Your grandfather wore dead slave skins. You will wear dead slave skins when you're a priest. Yeah, that's that's definitely uh, living with the sins of your fathers right there. That's for sure. Uh, I think you mean the skins of your fathers. Uh, That wasn't even done on purpose, but that's awesome. So then, uh, alternately, you would burn someone in honor of the god of fire. Of course, mm-hmm. of course. Uh, uh, the most popular were sacrifices for the sun, the supreme god, on a special day called Tezcatlipoca. Prisoners of war were sacrificed by the priests who tore out their hearts and offered them to the sun. So this is the kind of traditional, the one that we know about the most. Yeah, this is the Temple of Doom one, right? Yeah. This is the one that, the historical record, I mean, this is what you see, because they were those guys who actually painted things in color. Yeah. And you just see these paintings of pyramids awash in blood. and They also do mass volumes in these kinds of sacrifices. Like, there's a, some story that they had to consecrate a new pyramid or something like that. Yeah. So they, they, uh, they hacked up 80,000 slaves in in over a four-day period or something like that? You're thinking of the reconsecration of the Great Pyramid of Tenochtitlan. That's what I was thinking of. In 1487. Yeah. Although there were probably far fewer than 80,000. That's just one report. Well, it's the Aztecs report. Yeah, the Aztecs say they (laughs) cut up 80,000. Somebody pointed out they just did the math. They did like the Wilt Chamberlain math. Where Will you're Chamberlain like, math? Yeah, well, Will Chamberlain claims he slept with like 20,000 oh, women, okay. but then you're like, oh, wait a minute. That means he has to sleep with a woman like every 10 minutes for like 30 years or something like this, right? <laughs> so uh, it's, it's somebody did the math and they realized that so they would have to sacrifice somebody like every 40 seconds or uh, something like uh, 14 that. 14 sacrifices per minute during the four-day uh, consecration. Yeah, so yeah. it didn't quite add up. It sort of seemed a little bit a little bit of a stretch yeah. to suggest As that. As comparison, the Auschwitz concentration camp working 24 hours a day with modern technology approached but did not equal this pace. It executed about 19,200 a day at its peak. It was probably in the tens of thousands that actually got killed. Well, according to Codex Teleriano Remenzies, 
You know, you guys all know that one, right? Yeah, oh yeah, I got it on my uh, on my bed right now. I'm reading it. Old Aztecs who talked with missionaries gave a much lower figure for the reconsecration, approximately four thousand victims in total. So quite a wide disparity. Yeah, disparity. Yeah. Although there were four tables arranged at the top so that the victims could be jettisoned down the sides of the temple. You'd have to have a pretty good assembly line kind of procedure yeah, yeah, to exactly. actually make the logistics of this work out, right? And like getting a heart out of a chest is not easy with an obsidian dagger, I would imagine. You maybe you got guys prepping it. Maybe you got guys like putting some incisions in, cracking some ribs, right? Yeah. Like maybe you got sort of a uh, sous chef sort of routine <laughs> yeah, sure. with a chest. Cr- he's like hitting it with a mallet, right? Yeah. So that you can just get in there and pull that heart out. See, now, how was where... your day today, Wanda Kakudli? <laughs> it's like my arms are so tired. <laughs> I've been bonking people on the assembly line all day long. <laughs> this is where technology really pays off. If yeah. you could build a robotic heart dehartener, yeah. like, you could just absolutely increase yeah, the efficiency. You take the ritual out of the ritual sacrifice doing that, Joe. You take the ceremony out of it. Are the you pomp saying and robotic arms have no soul? No. It's I'll not, have you know that my soulometer goes off whenever it goes near. It, it, it's not that they have no soul. It's they don't lift it to the sky and go, and Oh, that's, that's just a glitch in the programming. We're going <laughs> to fix that in the next patch. <laughs> 2.0. So uh, we were talking about the different kinds of gods and the different ceremonies because each god required a different kind of victim sometimes. Yeah. Uh, so young women were drowned for Zelonen. Children were sacrificed to Tlaloc. Nuahatl speaking prisoners to Huitzilopochtli, etc., etc. And uh, also on the special day, which we talked about, Tezcatlipoca, in addition to the sacrifices, uh, on that day, all the people practiced the rite of self-sacrifice by pricking blood from their ears or other parts of their bodies and observing a rigorous fast until midday. Yes, that's right. They wouldn't eat until noon. All right. It's pretty much my par for the course with yeah, me. Yeah, my stomach would be growling by noon. If I'm going to be killing a lot of people, I don't think I want to have a full stomach either. Well, here's, yeah, that's, that's the other point. thing. Like, maybe nobody was hungry <gasps> after watching all the hearts being <gasps> rolled down the side of the pyramid for, you know, the four days Heart previous. for dinner again. Yeah, it's like, I'm not hungry, honey. Well, that's yeah. how it got started. They're all like... Everyone, hey, let's go eat breakfast. I'm not hungry. I kind of mm. watched all the sacrifices all day Start yesterday. Start getting those dry heaves when you yeah. see the third heart get raised up to the sky. Oh, like, oh, I think oh, this oh is I'm glad a, I didn't eat. This is a, this, these are the gods telling us we should be fasting. They also had the Tox Cattle Festival. On the day of this festival, a youth was slain who for an entire year previously had been carefully instructed in the role of victim. Okay, this is awesome. He was previously selected from the best war captives of the year. He assumed the name and attributes of Tezcatlipoca himself, and during that year was treated like unto a god. If you're going to be the victim of ritual sacrifice. <laughs> if you're going to die in a year, exactly. If you're going to die, man, at least live like a rock star for the year previous, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, there are other ways you could have died back in that era. I mean, it, people were probably That's only living until sure. they were 20, or 20, 30 years old anyway, right? Tezcatlipoca demands more wine! <laughs> Yeah. And virgins. <laughs> yeah, there were virgins involved. Wait a minute, if I remember this correctly, he actually had like a little mini harem too. Well, he was mated to four beautiful maidens of high birth. Not necessarily virgins, but I don't, I'm not they sure. They wouldn't what, be for I'm long. I'm not sure what high, high birth. High birth. <laughs> Come on, baby, doing it with a god doesn't count. This is like getting together with a Catholic girl. No, you'll still be a virgin. I'm a god. <laughs> At last, the fatal day upon which he must be sacrificed arrived. When he reached the summit, he was received by the high priest 
who speedily made him one with the god whom he represented by tearing his heart out on the stone of sacrifice. So still the the same method. You know, they they definitely liked the tearing the heart out. It was the favored method, yeah. You can even see how this kind of thing could evolve socially in that they're, they're just killing regular people. And then probably after a while, it's not working. They have drought. Yeah. And they're like, well, what's going on? Maybe we're maybe they don't like that we're sacrificing slaves. we got to sacrifice something more important. Well, we can't kill each other. Yeah. Well, let's take one slave, treat him like a god, and then when he's, he dies, then they'll think it's like a god and it'll be a bigger sacrifice. Yeah. Okay, let's try that. And they tried that. And it worked. Yeah. That one time, it must be because of that. Yeah. Let's keep doing and it. And then why the next month they kill uh, like an infant and why the month after that they uh, burn some guy. And yeah, exactly. They just keep trying different methods until they yeah. find one that hits. And that, then you've got an annual like list of traditions. That horrible, broken human ability to see patterns where there aren't patterns sometimes. Yeah, precisely. Exactly. In the sacrifice of the dancer of the Zalaquia, a female captive or slave danced a whole day until daybreak. Then the chiefs and victim danced the solemn death dance. Solemn death dance. In the end, she was stripped to a nude condition, or as I would just say, stripped nude. (laughs) I guess. I've got a terrible nude condition. I'm actually kind of surprised that she wasn't nude in the first place. I mean, there was lots of nudity back in that day. It was, you know, kind of warm. Maybe they dressed her up. Oh, yeah, it could be. They dressed her up in uh, some sort of like the death dance uh, party dress. I feel a Thicket song coming on here. (laughs) I thought the same thing. Yeah. The solemn death dance. Ah, the solemn death dance. Oh, you totally got to make it like Poppy, though, like trying to actually start a dance craze. You have to do the death dance. Well, you have to combine both the low death chanting with the poppy dance beat. Uh Oh. Yeah, but then you actually have a video where you actually do the solemn death dance, and I don't know what you do for that. But like, someone gets naked at the end, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> and stabbed in the breast with an obsidian blade. Uh, right. Actually, and... a knife of flint was oh, plunged into her bosom, and uh, tearing out the still palpitating heart, offered it up to Chico Mecuhualt. Hmm. In this manner, the venerable goddess, weary with the labor of inducing a growth in the maize plant, was supposed to be revivified and refreshed. Oh, so it's good for corn. Yeah, there actually is at least one good thing about human sacrifice is that they make a good mulch. Yeah, excellent for planting. You can really taste the blood in this corn. Heart blood. Every Aztec warrior would have to provide at least one prisoner for sacrifice. All the male population was trained to be warriors, but only the few who succeeded in providing captives could become full-time members of the warrior elite. Those who could not would become workers. Accounts also state that several young warriors could unite to capture a single prisoner, which suggests that capturing prisoners for sacrifice was challenging. Wow. So that was actually your job. You, yeah. you had to go out and find people to, to sacrifice. Yeah. That it was like a full-time occupation. Mm-hmm. God, was there anything in this civilization that wasn't kind of sort of geared towards human sacrifice? When you only had 20-day months, <laughs> right? You got a 20-day month and your sacrifice festival is a five-day festival. So like one out of every four weeks is just killing and, and celebrating the killing. Yep. And then the other three weeks, you're out there trying to find people to kill. Mm-hmm. Sacrifice a palooza <laughs> every month. I, I, That's a real party. Yeah, I mean, this is obviously why the Aztecs have the reputation of being the biggest and baddest human sacrificers in human history. The, the other really big civilization in Central and South America were the Incas. You know, they covered a lot of territory. They ruled over a lot of people. They seemed to like uh, child sacrifice. That seemed to be their preferred mode. Well, they're so noisy. <laughs> Just to shut them up? You think it was... Certainly I've been in many a mall where I wish the child sacrifice was still prevalent and plentiful. (laughs) 
they had a stone altar in the middle of every mall. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just like or consecrate that altar, that fountain, that penny fountain with no, that child. Consecrate this gap. <laughs> I dedicate the death of this child to the great god, Shh. god of silence. <laughs> The Incas called their practice of human sacrifice capacocha. Hmm. They saved their sacrifices for important events. Oh, like, not just every three weeks. Yeah. <laughs> like the death of uh, of their emperor or, or during a famine, like some sort of crisis. Sure. That's when they would like sort of jump into the, the sacrifice. The gods are angry with us. Exactly. We've got to do something to placate them, right? The children who were selected as sacrificial victims were supposed to be the uh, most physically perfect and healthy oh. because they were the best people that would present their situation to the gods. And the reason they, they preferred children was because they were the purest souls. Have you seen what comes out of children? <laughs> Especially the very young ones? It's not pure. They certainly say the darndest things. Uh, months or sometimes even years before the sacrifice pilgrimage. Although if they saved it for crisis, I don't know how they would like... Well, you know you're going to have a crisis at some point. I guess that's true. So Start you just prepping the babies. You have, you have a couple of kids set aside where you're like, these are our rainy day kids or, or not rainy, rainy day, day kids. yeah <laughs> and they would uh, they would fatten them up with diets of the elite consisting of maize and animal proteins Meat instead corn. of whatever the peasants were eating uh, they would dress them in fine clothing and jewelry and would escort them to Cuzco to meet the emperor where a feast would be held in their honor before they were sacrificed. What's a Cuzco? I think that's an actual place. Oh, sounds like some kind of a pillow that I <laughs> put my hands in or something. I think it actually was the capital of the Incan Empire. Okay. But, so, and then the Incan high priests would take their victims to the high mountaintops for sacrifice. So no altars on pyramids. You gotta, you gotta work for it. Go on a trek. Because the journey was extremely long and arduous, they would give the young victims coca leaves to aid them in their breathing to allow them to reach the burial sites alive. Oh, okay. Once they reached the mountain where they were going to be sacrificed, they would give them an intoxicating drink to minimize pain, fear, and resistance. (laughs) I think I know what that is. (laughs) I don't understand how coca leaves help with breathing, though. That's an interesting... No, no, Sherpa, uh, not um, not Sherpas, that's in Tibet, but in Peru and all those mountainous regions in South America, Mm -hmm. they, they do that, too. They chew so like leaves. A, it, uh, I guess it relaxes your respiratory system or something like that. I don't know I what the... I saw some guy getting interviewed somewhere who mentioned that uh, he had to do that. I think he was on a TED talk or something along those lines. Yeah, I saw a documentary about a guy who, um, one of the band members of Blur, and he went to Columbia to... Get some coke. He made some statement in the press about how he'd spent a million dollars on cocaine, and so actually the president of Columbia invited him to Columbia <laughs> to show him about the drug trade and about all the harm it did. So that maybe he could become a... Spokesperson. Spokesperson in the anti-drug campaign and uh yeah they were up in the mountains and the air was getting thin and they were chewing coca leaves too yeah now you know it assists with altitude sickness then they would give them some intoxicating drink a little a little uh, roofy uh and then kill them either by strangulation a blow to the head or by leaving them to lose consciousness in the extreme cold and die of exposure wow so the, I don't know wow. why they mixed up the different methods. I don't know if Probably it was for just the different crises had their own exactly had their own method or maybe different priests Maybe one priest was a was a headcracker, and the other one was a just leave him behind on a mountaintop to like cry themselves to sleep and never wake up again. <laughs> Can you imagine just walking up there and like maybe probably tying their hands and feet and just kind of like leaving them on a rock and say bye bye and walking back down the mountain? It's all for the good of the community. Yeah. So that was the Incas. I, I wouldn't put them, you know, in the category of humanitarians, but they weren't ripping still palpitating hearts out of people's chests. Inca dink, you stink. Nice. Maybe that's where that came from. <laughs> 
<laughs> sure, why not? Another South American society that I thought was really interesting because I didn't realize they kind of predated all these other civilizations, the Olmecs, and most of the other civilizations that sort of sprung up in the area kind of patterned themselves after a lot of their early traditions. Hmm. Although they don't have direct physical evidence that the Olmecs did uh, sacrifices, they do know that they had or human sacrifices, they had a sacrificial bog where they would mm. throw stuff <laughs> in to appease the gods, and they found children's bones. Were the bones. gods, by any chance, alligators? <laughs> there probably was some sort of, like, crocodile-headed god or something like that, right? You know, who knows? But yeah, they would throw jewelry and stones and stuff in there, and they found, in that sacrificial block, they found oh. the bones of children. Mm-hmm. You know, whether or not they sacrificed them or those children were already dead. Oh, they or... a field trip that went really, really wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And here, children, you see the sacrificial pit. Bobby, step back. Oh, bo- oh. oh no. We really shouldn't have tied all boat. those children together. But yeah, there was a... There's, there's <laughs> we no, thought it would be safe. The bog no direct- was too strong for them. <laughs> bog vortex oh you come back it's like hey what happened to your class at the school trip because yeah oh no witnesses all the other kids are witnesses <laughs> and then i actually found a link to an article called the peruvian temple of doom which was a much smaller society in peru called the mocha or mocha mochibs yeah they have a temple where they've got carvings that show human sacrifices so they know for a fact yeah one of the reasons uh, i was talking to our listener dr jeb card who has a phd in mesoamerican anthropology Cool. He mentioned that one of the reasons Peru is kind of a hot topic right now is because it's so dry there compared to oh, the other civilizations that did uh, human sacrifice. Right. So lots of so everything's been preserved. I mean, it looks like people moved out of it yesterday. Like it's so well preserved. And I mean, I guess it's carved out of stone as well, which helps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all the scenes of human sacrifice are portrayed in their murals and ceramics and friezes and all these other yeah. things. The uh, mocha cappuccinos. <laughs> That's how they prefer to be called. <laughs> the mochachinos. Yeah. They had uh, multicolored murals in the interior patios, and the image, images represented there probably portray the decapitator. Oh, yeah? The moche deities to whom victims were sacrificed in propitiatory rites to ensure the fertility of crops, as well as the continuity of the structure of moche society. They, they gave him a good title. The decapitator. Yeah, no kidding. Priests adorned in gold slit their throats one by one. A priestess caught the blood in a golden goblet for the priest to drink. Bones of sacrificial victims incorporated into murals and friezes oh, nice. show evidence of extreme torture before the grisly executions. Ooh, not nice. The thick layers of sediment in which excavators found the bones of the sacrificed victims indicate that these rites took place during heavy rains brought on by an El Nino event which caused extensive flooding. So they not only did this, the thing is they were all really proud of it. Well, the other thing, too, is like all the super important societies in South American history all did massive human sacrifices. So if you're a much smaller society like the Mocha, you're like, well, look at all the people the Aztecs killed, and they did pretty good. Yeah. Right? You know, maybe we kill a few more people, we'll start climbing the corporate food chain kind of thing, right? Climbing the pyramid. Yeah. Ah, The gold pyramid. Yeah, to heaven on the bodies of our enemies yeah so i mean the mayans in 2005 a mass grave of one and two-year-old sacrificed children were found in the mayan region of comal calco the sacrifices were apparently performed for consecration purposes when building the temples at the comal calco acropolis so i mean they've got they've got some art that depicts the extraction of children's hearts during the ascension to the throne of new kings or at the beginning of the mayan calendar What's next? Because we'll go chronologically. You've got to start with the Egyptians, right? Was you know, there such a thing? Egyptians? 
people Egyptian lived. human sacrifice? I think well, there were Egyptians. I've never seen one. Because a lot of other societies, their form of human sacrifice was incorporating them into their burial rites. And right. the pharaohs mm-hmm. were big on that, about killing all their servants yeah. and burying them with them. As so discussed would, in our funeral episode. I, I, I mean, I certainly think that that's a human sacrifice because they yep. expect these people to show up in the afterlife with them. Right. Yep. So they, they are kind of looking for that magical effect. And these people wouldn't have died with the exception of being killed to be buried alongside them so agreed there's some mentions even in uh, the old testament in the bible jephthah's daughter in judges 11 and we previously mentioned uh, abraham and his son isaac and the almost sacrifice mm-hmm. during our jehovah mm-hmm. episode that story now that i think about it looking at this seems to almost be we used to sacrifice people yeah. to gods now we don't anymore, and yeah, I mean, this is why. There's a lot of debate, I mean, whether or not these sacrifices that are de- denoted in the Bible ever actually happened, or whether right. they're allegory or whatever, like it's just a story to teach us something and blah, 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 right? Yeah. But, you know, I mean, they, they do depict them, so you think, okay, well, then people in that era must have done that sort it's of thing. It's not a new thing. Yeah, It's exactly. not some crazy science fiction story <laughs> from yeah. their perspective. They didn't just make it up. Hey, what if people killed other people for gods. Yeah, I mean, let's whether, write a story about that. Let's whether put that in the a, Bible. Whether there was a guy named Jephthah who actually sacrificed his daughter because God gave him a victory over his enemies. The yeah. Ammonites. The Ammonites. Whether that actually Which, happened, as we all know, are prehistoric cephalopods. <laughs> <laughs> whether that actually happened or whether it wasn't uncommon for warlords to sacrifice family members right. as a result of winning important military victories. It's more a story about the don't make stupid vows because, well, we haven't even talked about it. So the vow is, uh, God, if you let it, let me win this upcoming battle, I will sacrifice the first thing that comes out of my house to greet me when I return home. That is definitely thinking bold... it's going to be his dog. Yeah. Right. You know, his dog's going to be like, oh, master's home. Or instead, his goat, he, or whatever he else he has living or whatever, inside. Yeah, uh, but instead, his daughter comes out to greet him, and he says, "Well, I told God I'd sacrifice the first thing, so here we go." The crazy part is, he tells her, "He's like, go, I promise God, I got to take you to town," and she negotiates a two-month reprieve so that she can go hang out with her friends in the mountains. That's so random. Yeah. <laughs> the reason that he granted the reprieve is because this, it, she's so young, she would die a virgin, which seemed like a shame. So I think she was off getting laid. Wasn't she really, really young? Seriously, if somebody came up to you and you were 12 or 13 and said, (laughs) you will die in two months, you got two months to go hang in the mountains with your friends. I don't know, 12? I think I'd be like, ew, girl germs. Like, (laughs) Is there an instruction book? Yeah. (laughs) I just played a lot of video games. That's what I would have done. Oh, you would have done two months of Minesweeper? (laughs) If that's all I had. I, I like the Vikings. I mean, the Vikings were. Uh, I like the Vikings too. Oh, nice. I got a hat with a horn on it. They they got they got both not correct. Of this. Oh no, you don't. Oh. No, I no, do have a hat does. with a horn, oh. but that's not a Viking. But that's not a correct oh. Viking helm. But they would bury servants and uh, slave girls and stuff like that with them when they do those boat burials. Yeah, again, yep. as discussed in as our discussed burial, in our funeral, funeral episode, they would also sacrifice, like do burning pyres and stuff like that. I got a, a quote here. Talk about one of these experiences where some a, a big king or lord or something like that had died, and so they were gonna they had to sacrifice something to speed him on his way. So the dead man's slave girls were asked who wished to die with him. One volunteered to be burned on the ship with him, and when she went to her death, the men began to strike with sticks on the shields so that her cries could not be heard, and the other slave girls would not be frightened and seek to escape. (laughs) A dagger was plunged between her ribs repeatedly, and the men strangled her with cord until she was dead. The flames grew and engulfed the pyre in the ship. 
What's that? Uh, nothing. Fire bonk, doesn't bonk, hurt. Bonk, bonk, bonk. Yeah. <laughs> There's a party going on over there. She's having a good time. Yeah. So ah, My ribs. Ah. <laughs> we should mention the bog people. Oh, the bog people. This is one of my favorite things that came up out of the research. When they find these, these bodies, these perfectly preserved bodies inside of bogs. Mm-hmm. Uh, that had obviously been murdered as opposed to just, like, fell in there like a mastodon in the La Brea tar pits, right? Because <laughs> uh, like, they would find nooses around their necks, and they would have broken arms, and they would have, you know, uh, caved-in skulls, and they would have knife wounds in their backs. And then they would we would find them thousands of years later when we were—we probably want to deal with this in greater depth in our Swamp and Bog episode. Oh, Swamps and Bogs, together at last. So we'll just kind of uh, mention it in passing that they were definitely sacrificed. And stay tuned for the gory details in Swamps and Bogs. How about the uh, the Pawnee and their uh, morning star ceremony? Which was First a, off, what's a Pawnee? Pawnee is a Native American tribe. From? Along the tributaries of the Missouri. Oh, okay. So Nebraska and Kansas area. Sure. Great Plains Indians. Great Plains Indians. So the Morning Star Ceremony was the ritual sacrifice of a young girl in the spring. Uh, It had to do with their creation story in which the mating of the male Morning Star with the female Evening Star created the first human being who was a girl. Well, first of all, they had to go capture her from another tribe. So it was typically a night raid. I'm on a night raid. (laughs) Ready to kill and burn. I never learn. <laughs> yeah, as soon as a girl of suitable age was captured, the attack ceased immediately and the party returned to the Pawnee village. I love that it's called a party. Yeah, a, a raiding party. party. Woo, raiding party. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not exactly a panty raid. I guess it kind of is. You just get a girl inside the panties as well. It's a loincloth raid, my friend. It was apparently only performed in the years, in the springs, when Mars was the morning star. Mm. Okay. Usually originated in a dream in which the morning star appeared to some man and directed him to capture a suitable victim. Sure. Yeah. So they, mm-hmm. they would come back to the uh, the village. They would treat this girl with respect, but they would keep her isolated from the rest of the camp. And when it was spring and time for the sacrifice, they would ritually cleanse her with a f- and a five-day ceremony was begun. They would sing songs. Uh, was that a tobacco enema or? Yes. Okay. I don't know. That kind of a cleansing? Uh, the girl was symbolically transformed from human form to be among the celestial bodies, and she became the ritual representation of the evening star. Yeah, I like the description of the actual sacrifice procedure. When the morning star appeared, two men would come from the east with flaming brands and touch her lightly in the armpits and groins. My personal opinion is, if your brand is flaming, it's it doesn't not... matter whether you touch her lightly hey, or whoa, heavily. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> locked. Don't hit her so hard with that. Yeah, exactly. It's already burning, it's dude. Like, yeah, you do not need to hit her with it her that lightly. hard. Touch her lightly in the armpits and groin. Oh, God. Those are two last places I want to have flaming brands. What about on your eye? As four other men would come and touch her with war clubs. I'm not 100% sure whether that was They're like magic wands, really. Flaming magic wands in some cases. Expelliarmus. (laughs) The man who had captured her would then run for it. So if you were the guy who caught her, Mm -hmm. you would get the extra benefit of running forward with the bow from the skull bundle and a sacred arrow and shoot her through the heart while another man struck her on the head with the war club. So here's the thing. You got a guy standing like right to her side and you got another guy running forward with a bow and arrow to shoot her through the heart and the dude standing right next to her. You got to be like, 
you better not miss. You Don't waste that arrow. <laughs> so that he can smoke her on the head with his oh, war man, club Bob at the same shot time. me again. The officiating priest would then open her breast with a flint knife and smear his face with her blood while her captor caught the falling blood on, a, on dried meat. Hmm. Then all the male members of the tribe would press forward and shoot arrows into her body. Then they circled the scaffold four times and then dispersed. The pemmican man will pass. <laughs> the pemmican man will pass. So it was a it was a pretty involved procedure. Yeah. I, my least favorite part is the touching lightly with the flaming brands <laughs> really? and the groin and armpit. If you put this as some kind of multiple choice list of things that happen in this, I would my least favorite would be the being shot and cut open. Yeah, but once you're shot in the heart, it's over. Being cut open and being clubbed on the head with a war club and all that stuff, you're over and done by them. Soon, I don't know. My least favorite part would be the putting the blood on the dried meat. That's just gross. Yeah, they don't mention in the write-up, but I wonder if they ate that meat afterwards. I mean, it would seem kind of in the same vein, right? They're just like, trying to rehydrate it and there's no water around, so you got to use the blood exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'm sick and tired of dried meat. Let's get some blood on it. Well, while we're talking about First Nations, I've got something on Mound 72. Do you think the natives called it Mound 72? I can only assume so. Yeah, that's how they came Later became an uh, energy drink. <laughs> Uh, this is from the Cahokia Mounds, uh, the area of an ancient indigenous city in Illinois, circa 600 to 1400 CE. Okay. Archaeologists found the remains of a man in his 40s who was probably an important Cahokian ruler. They also recovered more than 250 other skeletons. Scholars believe almost 62% of these were sacrificial victims based on signs of ritual execution, method of burial, and other factors. Mm -hmm. These skeletons include four young males missing their hands and skulls. Okay. A mass grave of more than 50 women around 21 years old with their bodies arranged in two layers separated by matting. Okay. And a mass burial containing 40 men and women who appear to have been violently killed. The suggestion has been made that some of these were buried alive, quote, from the oh. vertical position of some of the fingers, which appear to have been digging in the sand, it is apparent that not all of the victims were dead when they were interred, that some had been trying to pull themselves out of the mass of bodies. See, here's, yeah. here, if I'm going to be sacrificed by a Native American tribe, that is worse than getting <laughs> shot through the heart with an arrow. Right there. Mound 72. It reminds me of my favorite dead baby joke. What's grosser than a million dead babies piled on top of each other? A million and one dead babies? One live one on the bottom trying to eat its way to freedom. Oh, oh yeah. That only got me banned from World of Warcraft for three days. <laughs> in comparison, I would want to be one of the ones not buried alive. You would. Pussy.
in the news. Human sacrifices on the rise in Uganda as witch doctors admit to rituals. Oh, man. This is from January 7th, 2010. It's about a year and a half ago. Okay. One man claimed he had clients, so this would be a witch doctor himself, who had captured children and taken their blood and body parts to his shrine, while another confessed to killing at least 70 people, including his own son. The latter has now given up the ritual and is campaigning to stamp it out, according to BBC News. I've learned the error of my ways. The African country's government has claimed that human sacrifice is on the increase. The crime is directly linked to rising levels of development and prosperity and an increasing belief that witchcraft can help people get rich quickly. Do you think there's an anti-human sacrifice uh, squad or division in the uh, authorities? Uh, in Uganda? In Uganda? There might be. Like, if it gets widespread enough, you can have, like, a task force or something a like CSI, that, right? A new CSI show? CSI Uganda? <laughs> or Law and Order Special Sacrifice Division? There you go. Donk, donk. During its investigation to be broadcast on Radio 4, the BBC team witnessed anti-sacrifice campaigners torching the shrine of a witch doctor in northern Uganda who agreed to give up the practice. He said his clients came to him in search of wealth. So they burned down his little altar, and then he goes, I'm going to give it up, human sacrifice. I'm going to give up the witch doctor thing. Uh, I'm cool with that. Do you actually believe that he's going to give it up, or he's just going to give it up there? Maybe just going to move on to the next move village. to his second altar. Yeah, his <laughs> precisely. Like, when people start, like, throwing stones at you and burning your shit down, you're probably like, yeah, I can walk away from this. I'm cool. I'm cool. Uh, if push came to shove, if nobody had burned his shrine down, would he have given it up? Maybe it was like, oh, way? this would be the last day for the past, like, ten years. <laughs> yeah, and then okay. finally someone comes and burns down his altar. All right. So he's Danny Glover from the so, uh, Lethal Weapon yeah. movies. <laughs> I'm getting too old for this shit. This is time my to, last You know date. it's time to retire when the community burns down your sacrifice altar. Exactly. So in the in the uh, BBC article, they go and capture other people's children. They bring the heart and the blood directly here to take the spirits. They bring them in small tins and they place these objects under the tree from which the voices of the spirits are coming. Wow. So, so they kill the people before they come to the... So this witch doctor, this witch doctor who had his shrine burned down, is claiming that he never killed anybody. Oh. That somebody would kill them and then bring him the parts that he needed to do the spell. I didn't do mm. it. They bring, they bring me the hearts and the blood in small tins and place them under the tree from which the voices of the spirits are coming. So it's okay. The witch doctor who said he was paid 500,000 Ugandan shillings. Okay, pop quiz. How much is 500,000 Ugandan shillings in British pounds? Ooh. Pounds sterling. I'm going to say... 500,000 Ugandan shillings, approximately. I'm going to say... Pounds sterling. It's like a week's worth of wages, so maybe like between two and 500? 2,500 pounds? Yeah. I'm going to say it's like 20 pounds. 160 pounds sterling for a a (laughs) spell involving human sacrifice. (laughs) Seems like a bargain at twice the price. Yeah. So he was paid for his consultation and denied any direct involvement in any murder or incitement to murder. Naturally. And he said his spirits would speak directly to the clients. So That's a great way to keep your hands clean. Yeah. I don't remember anything that came out of my mouth yeah. if it was some a dead person's voice. Uh, Moses Bonoga, the assistant police commissioner who is head of the Ugandan Anti-Human Sacrifice and Trafficking Task Force. Yeah, there it is. Called it. Total <laughs> torn called it. So wait, when, when he found out about this... And heard that everything got burned down. He say, "Looks like this witch doctor's dreams have gone up in smoke." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Moses Benoga said that there were 26 murders thought to be part of ritual sacrifice last year, so that would be 2009, compared with three cases in 2007. 
So in two years, it went from three to 26. That's a major uptick. We also have about 120 children and adults reported missing whose fate we have not traced. From the experience of those whom we recovered, we cannot rule out that they may be victims of human sacrifice. When I found this article, I was surprised. That's the kind of surprise they should put him in in the bottom of a Cracker Jacks bag. (laughs) Surprise! There's human sacrifice in Uganda! I did not know that. Or maybe like just a child's finger bone or something like that. That's even better. Yeah, Co- surprise! Cast your own hand. spell. Yeah, collect the entire hand. Formerly news and also recently news. Yeah, oh, all I know which one you're talking about. Go ahead. Hang on to your seats, ladies and gentlemen. If you haven't heard about the torso in the Thames. Yeah, September 2001. Uh, so there was a boy of six years. Uh, he's a little black boy whose torso was found mutilated in the Thames. He has now apparently been identified. Like in February of 2011, a journalist wrote an article for the Daily Mail claiming that she had found out his identity. So the tragic lad has been named as Ikpamwosa from Nigeria, and a picture of him was released. That's in the news. If you're not familiar with the case, the detectives called him Adam, and he was believed to have been smuggled to London to be butchered in a twisted West African religious ceremony. There's no way to identify him because they never found his arms or his legs or his head. He was first discovered on the afternoon of 21 September 2001 as it floated past the Tower of London. A passerby crossing the bridge noticed an orange object in the water and realizing it was a body as it passed under the bridge alerted the police. The police sent in its marine search unit to the scene who recovered the torso further downstream. The body was found to be the torso of a young black child, the orange the orange being a pair of shorts around the stumps of the legs. The police named the body Adam is the, in the absence of any positive identification, and the case became known as the torso in the Thames. The body's head, arms, and legs had been removed with skillful precision, while his lower intestine contained a highly unusual mix of plant extracts, traces of the toxic calabar bean, and perhaps most surprisingly of all, clay particles containing flecks of pure gold. Post-mortem results reveal that he was still alive when his throat was cut. The West African poison that was found in his intestine is a paralyzing agent, not an anesthetic, so there's a real chance that Adam would have uh, been conscious while he was being murdered. Yeah, this is a particularly gruesome tale. Dr. Richard Hoskins, a leading expert on African religion, said the calabar bean was commonly used by African witch doctors for voodoo. It was exceptionally rare to see the bean used in Britain, but its presence in Adam's gut, along with that of the other ingredients found, convinced him this was a human sacrifice. Uh, Adam's body would have been drained of blood as an offering to whatever god his murderer believed in, said Dr. Hoskins. The gold flecks in his intestines were used to make the sacrifice more appealing to that god. Nothing gods like more than gold in your gut. None they like better than poop gold. (laughs) It is a very valuable poop. (laughs) Hoskins said the most likely explanation for Adam's death is that the murderer was a trafficker of children and drugs who had sacrificed Adam in order to give him power to evade the authorities. The yeah. knife used was meticulously sharpened between each incision shows that the dismemberment of the body was all part of the ritual. Yeah. So the new news. This one thing, this one piece of evidence bridges the old news and the new news. Because there was a woman who was actually apprehended in 2001. Yeah. And they found a pair of shorts in her luggage. That matched. That exactly matched the pair of shorts the boy was wearing. So they thought that she was involved somehow, but... It was proven that she was in Germany at the time of the murder, and DNA testing proved that she was not directly related to the boy in any way. Okay. So they released her. 
And so she went back to Nigeria. But then some reporter had tracked her down again. A reporter named Ronke Phillips. And apparently she's ready to talk now. And the article was very sensationalistic. There were like lots of adjectives and whatnot. And there wasn't really a lot of substance. I think she was writing the article for the Daily Mail. And I don't know what the newspapers in England are like, but the Daily Mail sounds like it might be a little bit tabloidy. But the short version is that this lady, Joyce Ozia Giddy told ITV London Tonight that she was caring for the youngster and gave him to a man named Bawa who took him to London from Germany. So not related to her, but some kind of human trafficking is going on. Yeah, and and she had pictures of her and the boy in Germany, and so that's where this reporter got the pictures of the boy and says that she's identified him. And that she, this Joyce lady, had known that there was some kind of horrible witchcraft of some kind going on with... But that's all that we really know. Yeah. I mean, even that woman, even in the interview where she seemed to be so forthcoming, admitted that she had no idea where the boy came from originally because she had gotten him from some other woman who had been deported out of Germany. She wasn't related to him either. And she handed over to Joyce because she was being deported back to Nigeria and Joyce was still in Germany. Yeah. And then that's when she handed him over to Bawa. And then when she heard the story about the body, she kind of concluded that that's what happened to him. But she makes no bones about the fact that she wasn't there. She wasn't involved. She doesn't know any of the details. So it kind of feels like a crime that will perpetually go unsolved, sadly. Recently news, a former warlord from Liberia who called himself General Butt Naked. I think we mentioned him in the cannibalism episode, did we? Okay, he's either insane or he's hilarious. Oh, he might be both. (laughs) His given name is Joshua Milton Blayi. But he's known as General Butt Naked. He's a violent and eccentric leader working for the Liberian warlord Roosevelt Johnson during the first Liberian Civil War. Yeah, that was a particularly bloody civil war. Yeah. In 2008, he confessed to taking part in human sacrifices that included the killing of a child and plucking out the heart, which was divided into pieces for them to eat. Mm -hmm. So he was into human sacrifice and cannibalism. Uh, the reason he sacrificed was at age 11, he was initiated as a tribal priest and participated in his first human sacrifice. During the course of the three-day ritual that followed, he had a vision where he was told by the devil that he would become a great warrior and that he should continue to practice human sacrifice and cannibalism to increase his power. This goes back to your statement earlier on in this whole thing about how these like high priests and whatnot back in the day were probably... Probably a little on the loopy side. Probably a little on the loopy side. This yeah. guy would have been a total witch doctor shaman for sure. Not with a name like General Bud Naked. <laughs> well, a couple thousand years ago, it probably would have been just something sort of somewhat similar, like uh, General Pantaloon or something. He would lead his <laughs> troops naked, wearing only shoes and carrying a gun. Like he actually led butt naked. He believed that his nakedness was a source of protection from bullets. And he would sacrifice a victim before each battle. Uh, usually a small child, someone whose fresh blood would satisfy the devil. Oh, so the, to the mm. devil, no less. And he explained yeah. to the Seattle Post Intelligencer, sometimes I would enter under the water where children were playing. I would dive under the water, grab one, carry him under, and break his neck. Sometimes I'd cause accidents. Sometimes I'd just slaughter them. He's a serial killer. Basically, yeah. He's a serial killer who turned into a warlord. In, and a warlock. <laughs> in 1996, when the Civil War in Liberia came to an end, he converted to Christianity. He said Jesus Christ appeared to him as a blinding light and told him that he would die unless he repented of his sins. Well, that's a good reason to convert to Christianity. I want to know how the Seattle Post-Intelligencer got this interview, right? Like, kind of seems out of nowhere. He's now a traveling preacher. 
and is incredibly remorseful for all the things he's done. And he's actually expressed willingness to be tried for war crimes. I've sacrificed wow. many yeah. a baby in my time. He meets the, the relatives of his victims and feels terrible. Or so he says. I think he's just loopy. You can. I'm going to dress up like the devil and visit loopy, him. Loopy devil. You can be loopy Jesus. I have a hard time believing that if he was killing children for sport, that you can ever truly. It wasn't give for that sport. Up. It was for power. He was doing True. it because he truly believed. I mean, he went into battle naked and thought that protected him from bullets. This yeah, is a guy who would go in a swimming hole. He would go in a swimming hole and pull them underwater and break their necks. Yep. That feels like he's adding a sport element to it. I mean, there's actual swimming involved. Right. <laughs> So you're saying that this could be an Olympic level? Yeah, so this is sport as General well. General butt naked so would have been the gold a... medal Olympic serial killer. So we're going to call this the diathlete. I like that one. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, pop culture. Well, I watched Apocalypto the other night. Actually, I know people who like that movie, and I know people who hated that movie. How do you yeah. fall on the? I'm right in the middle, actually. I mean, the I... reason that I didn't go see it in the first place because I thought the trailers looked really interesting, but yeah. it was because there was such a polarizing opinion right. that usually doesn't bode well for the film. It's well, hard. I watched the mm. first twenty minutes, mm -hmm. and I stopped watching after the scene where his wife's mother was forcing them to have sex to make to babies. have sex to make babies and sitting outside the tent or whatever mm -hmm. and then because he'd had a practical joke played on him because he's impotent or whatever he ran out of the hut with his balls burning from this he, he rubbed it they'd given him this leaf that they said is this will rub this on on down there and it will make sure that you have babies when you have sex uh -huh. and so he just they go in they start having sex and apparently and so he, he runs out and out does the old screaming. cartoony jumping in the trough of water with to, his to balls cool his on fire on. the really funny part is she also comes running out screaming but she is trying to get it off her mouth yeah ah, so, yeah. Nice. so i think I, I was waiting for the joke line in there to go well at least now we know why you guys haven't made babies right uh, uh, you're putting it in the wrong hole uh -huh, got it got so that's when it. i stopped watching you missed the main part of the movie or like the actual that was all set up that was all these are and the what a normal, setup these are the normal lives of these people they play jokes on each other they you know don't exactly treat each other fairly but they generally love each other things like that and then they get attacked by the actual civilized mayans and taken as slaves and captors and the women are sold off the men are just lined up and brought to the top of this huge pyramid and are then sacrificed. And Mel Gibson absolutely loves his torture porn. And, mm -hmm. and to me, it felt like it went a bit too far. I mean, he had the same criticism in Passion of the Christ, though, right. too. And I thought Passion of the Christ was incredibly powerful. I think the whole point was that it went on too long. I couldn't tell if he was just like, this would be awesome because it's gross, or if he was just going, let's accurately depict how horrible this is. Yeah. I certainly felt this was horrible, especially because the first guy who gets up to get sacrificed is kind of no-name villager. Like, you saw him in the scenes. Yeah. He didn't really have much of a character. And you're like, oh, he he's was, the unimportant guy. He gets to been wearing clothes. He had the red loincloth. Basically, yeah. yeah. He, was, he was the red shirt, except <laughs> they weren't wearing shirts. <laughs> but then another guy gets brought up, and it's a guy who's like, he has had lines, he is well-respected, people like him, and they get him set up, and you think something's going to happen, and then, nope, dagger, chest, heart, son, and that's it. That was really powerful to right. start going, this is not all going to end very well. Mm -hmm. But I felt there were other parts of the movie that were just really weak. There's a fight where a, a jaguar shows up and starts attacking some guys. Mm -hmm. And they actually had scenes with an actual jaguar. And in it, it looked like they were, he was actually chasing a guy down, which was really cool. But then as soon as it got to the combat, it just became this 
close up on a really bad animatronic, obviously fake Jaguar. It oh. Didn't seem like it was the right size. It's so disappointing. It, it had a like weird look in its face. I couldn't tell what was going on. It just switched from this beautifully shot wide and just you know, took you totally out of thing, the and then totally snapped you right out of the moment into here's a fake Jaguar mauling a, a guy. I noticed that in the very first scene as well when they're chasing that taper. Yeah, exactly. It yep. was like it doesn't look like a real thing. I'm really glad I saw it. I don't think it's a movie I would ever want to watch again. How can we talk about a human sacrifice pop culture section without talking about Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom? Um, 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 Classic, you know, pull the beating heart out of the guy's chest. Now, yeah. the one supernatural part of it, of course, is that when they lower the guy into the flames, yeah, his, his heart, heart bursts into flames as well. Yeah. I always like that. It's just that one scene, basically. Well, the whole temple is all about sacrificing people to shiva no it's kali yes but they only actually do the one sacrifice well they put willie scott into it yeah luckily she gets saved by indiana jones (laughs) yeah anybody watched that movie and thought that she wasn't gonna get saved (laughs) and actually it's a damn shame because she wasn't a particularly strong actress no no all right well let's talk about wicker man i haven't actually seen it i saw it with riff tracks and it was still barely that watchable. That was the, the new one. The, the remake. The, with uh, Nicolas Cage. But you've yeah. seen the original. I have not seen the original. Oh, but, no. But I, in order to want to make a remake of it, the original must have been half decent. I mean, this is just in the middle of that whole Nicolas Cage, like, everything he's doing is terrible kind of string, right? I mean, this came out, like, five, six years ago. How can you say that the first one has to be decent since they're now making a Ghost Rider sequel? <laughs> That's uh, I just shattered your theory, my friend. Remake, that's not a remake. That's oh, a sequel. Sure. sequel. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. You shattered my shattering of your theory. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, let's talk about the whole practice of the Wicker Man. Okay. Lay it on. While Roman writers such as Pliny the Elder described human sacrifice among the Celts, only Caesar mentions the Wicker Man. Paraphrased from Caesar's commentaries on the Gallic War. The nation of all the Gauls is extremely devoted to superstitious rites, and on that account, they who are troubled with unusually severe diseases, and they who are engaged in battles and dangers, employ the Druids as the performers of sacrifices, who have figures of vast size, the limbs of which formed of osiers, which are willow trees used in basket making. They fill these with living men, which being set on fire, the men perish enveloped in the flames. The offering of such as have been taken in robbery or any other offense is more acceptable to the immortal gods, but when a supply of that, of that class is wanting, they have recourse to the offering of even the innocent. Yeah, I mean, no, I, this is just a method of execution that you'd like wrap up in a, you know, an offering to the gods as well. Basically a giant wicker man yeah. that filled with people. <laughs> Delicious people. Uh-huh. So some modern authors dispute Caesar's accounts as repeating a sensationalistic rumor as propaganda to encourage his supporters back home. Yeah. But interesting idea for a movie. See the original and not the remake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The original was called uh, The Citizen Kane of Horror Movies. Yeah. It's like from 1973 or something like yep. that. So it's uh, in the early 70s. They were shooting some really great stuff. Well, if, maybe we'll all get together and watch it and uh, we can report in the follow ups episode. And we no, can ask kidding. our uh, listeners what they think. You know, a movie that I probably shouldn't have liked as much as I did, but really enjoyed it. The Mummy. Yeah. The first one. The first Mummy movie was really good. I didn't like it. I think I mentioned this before is because I want my mummies to be scary and gross. Yeah, instead of the uh, the bald and buff yeah. uh, Arnold Vosloo. Exactly. There was no human sacrifice actually committed. He was trying to sacrifice Rachel Weiss to bring his love of his life back to life. What was the name of the lead actor? Brendan Fraser. Also, I like my protagonist to be less Brendan Fraser. <laughs> Heavy Metal, the oh, yeah, movie. Okay. Which part? I don't remember human sacrifice. Uh, Which was the... the segment was the den yeah. segment. 
which in the comics mm-hmm. is illustrated by Richard Corbin. It's that big, bald, naked guy. Okay, yeah. Who was, yeah. Who was a kid, and yeah. he goes into the, kid oh, ends up in the called the Dan world or whatever, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Voiced by John Candy. Yeah. Dan. So weird. <laughs> this big buff guy with a John Candy uh, uh, adolescent the, voice. The part that uh-huh. I remember about that was he ends up in the world and has sex like twice within a few hours or something. He's like, oh my God, not once all my life and now twice in one day or something <laughs> like that. Guys, <laughs> a group of cultists tries to sacrifice a uh, rather busty woman, as uh-huh. one might expect. And he saves her. To their DT Ulutek. Which, of course, is Cthulhu spelled backwards. Ah, look at that. And I'm dense safe, so yeah. I never noticed that. How clever of you, Tarn. Think about that. You read things backwards. All the time. Oh, Got to in my business. That movie, The Shining, Red Room, I wonder if you spelled that. Oh, my God! <laughs> Dragon Slayer, I watched again. Oh, yeah. In anticipation of this episode. I like that movie. It's charming. Starring um, Peter McNichol. Also known uh, as the weird lawyer on Ally McBeal. The guy in Ghostbusters 2. Janos Poha. Oh yes, of course. Why am I drippings with goo? Mm-hmm. Okay. So the king has worked out a pact with a dragon to sacrifice virgins to it, basically chaining them to a rock so the dragon can eat them, in return for the dragon leaving his kingdom alone. A deal with the devil, so to speak. Kind of a classic trope. But a group of villagers go to an old wizard to take the dragon down. and the... It's actually really good. I remember it quite fondly. The, and you've the seen heroes... it recently? I watched it like three days ago. And the special effects or visual effects stand up? Uh, sure. Okay. It's, it was all practical, of course. Right. So you don't really see too much of the dragon. Right. But when you do, it's fine. Okay. It's of the era. That, that's, yeah, I mean, that, that's the problem. Sometimes it takes you completely out of the whole thing. But the story is great. The characters are great. Mm-hmm. Okay. Very interesting. The hero is is very much not a big macho guy. It's, like, he's a little thinker. Yeah, he has his know. moments when you're like, oh, I'm totally fucking awesome. But then he always gets taken down a peg. Yeah. Conan the Destroyer, similar era. Yeah, Less of, of a good movie. I don't, yeah. <laughs> the young girl who he and the basketball player. Uh, Will Chamberlain. What? Will Chamberlain. She is groomed to be the sacrifice for the return of uh, Dagon, the one-horned god. Right, okay, all right. And she has to be sacrificed at a certain time during the ritual. Otherwise, horrible things will happen. And, of course, Conan saves her and horrible things happen. So he has to fight the now kind of weirdly mutated god statue come back to life. This is another one of those movies that I know I've seen it. I cannot remember a single thing from it, which is yeah. not a good sign. Grace Jones was in there, right? Yes. Yeah. I know for a fact I She's have seen this She's probably the best part movie. of that movie, actually. I do not remember one single detail. Eminently forgettable. Sorry, I said, I said Dagon, but it's actually Dagoth. As the, well, you're the evil a, you're, god. You're a Dagoth. 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 Not Jagoth. <laughs> Clash of the Titans, of course. Sacrificing the girl to Andromeda the Kraken. Andromeda to the Kraken. And, of course, there's the sacrifice or the attempt to sacrifice of the girl in the first Conan movie, Conan the Barbarian. Yeah, She absolutely. jumps down, but then the snake's already dead. Oh, yeah, that's right. Did anyone besides me see 10,000 BC? No. Where the mammoths were building the pyramids? The, no. No. What? Tell me more. Oh wait, this is the this is the Roland Emmerich movie. Yeah. Well, I don't see Roland Emmerich movies. He's my nemesis. <laughs> I'm bringing him into the next session. I I will punch him in the balls. <laughs> and the other thing is, I'm sure he's a totally nice guy. Like I'm sure he's not a dick, like Michael Bay evidently is. <laughs> like I'm sure I would if I had a beer with Roland Emmerich, I might actually like him. But he is ruining film. <laughs> he is single-handedly taking the entire film industry down a notch. Universal Soldier, 
Stargate, Independence Day, Godzilla, 13th Floor. Well, that was okay. The Patriot. haven't seen it. Eight-Legged Freaks. Day After one. Tomorrow. Trade. 10,000 BC. 2012. I, I am with you 100% on this. Holy cow. Yeah. These are terrible action movies. Stargate's probably the only one that's even remotely I really walked out good. of that Stargate movie very disappointed. Well, let's get back to 10,000 BC. Okay. Yeah, okay. 10,000 BC. I actually don't remember where the human sacrifice was in that movie, but it certainly came up on the uh, human sacrifice list on IMDb. There's uh, the Fororicus makes an appearance in the movie. The what? That being the large carnivorous flightless bird. Oh, okay. That's now extinct. Uh, there was kind of this chase scene through long grass where the Fororicus was chasing the people who were making the migration. That was totally stupid. You but anyway. do like extinct things. <laughs> and uh, we can move on. Roland Emmerich. Yeah, he, he needs a punch in the balls. I yeah. desperately needs a punch in the balls. King Kong. Oh, yeah, of course, King Kong. They uh, try to uh, sacrifice Fei Ray to him. Now, we talked about King Kong on the Apes episode, I'm sure. Yeah, in great detail. I'm sure we can just move on. Joe versus the Volcano, another one that we probably dealt with in great detail during our Volcano episode. Yep. But we should mention it. I mean, he is volunteering right. to sacrifice himself to a volcano Yeah, god. he thinks he's got a brain cloud, so he decides that... You know, he gets offered, if you come throw yourself into this volcano, up until you do, we'll treat you great. Did you say brain cloud? Brain cloud. Yeah, that's what he's diagnosed with. What does that mean? It's very bad. It's fake. The doctor is in on it. Oh, okay. He actually doesn't have a brain cloud. He just darkened the x-ray. Oh, I see. (laughs) Brilliant. Brilliant. (laughs) Call of Cthulhu features a police raid on a Cthulhu-worshipping voodoo cult that practices human sacrifice. Oh, yeah, that's right. Isn't that where the one guy, he gets, they raid that human sacrifice voodoo circle, and then he gets that statuette or whatever, and it kind of, like, makes him crazy? Yeah, that's right. It's like yeah, you might have, it's like you read this or something. Yeah. And in uh, Dreams of the Witch House, which features child sacrifice. They are the purest and most efficacious force, <laughs> according to Aleister Crowley. As well we know. And you could always make more. How about TV? Anybody got any TV? Not worth mentioning. Are you sure? Not the Justice League episode, The Terror Beyond, where Hot, okay, Girl, Hot Girl mentions that her home planet Thanagar used no. to worship the eldritch abomination Icthulhu. Icthulhu, uh, which is basically Cthulhu with an I in front of it. Yeah. <laughs> but they know they pulled the H off the last one, so it's Icthulhu. Where they go into the dimension of Cthulhu and fight Gugs and all these other things. Oh, wow. Yeah. So very H.P. Lovecraft. But that episode was kind of also a spoof on the Defenders from Marvel. Okay. The main characters in the Justice League episode were the equivalents of the Defenders. So the Hulk was in the Defenders, Mm -hmm. and they had Solomon Grundy. Uh, the Master of Magic, what's his face? Uh, Dr. Dr. Strange. Strange was in the Defenders, and they had Dr. Fate. Oh. Uh, Submariner was in the Defenders, and they had Aquaman. Aquaman. I did not know that. So Okay, I'm going to have to watch that again. Okay. Oh, the Defenders were not a great group. No, no. not by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> 